0: of the day okay. when you get an opportunity in this game you make a play yeah. the playmakers on three one two three playmakers. touchdown kansas city the chiefs are right in the thick of it baby hello everyone and let's do this for real it's time to start the 2022 season welcome to defending the kingdom mitch holtz is with you voice of the chiefs along with matt stat himself matt mcmullen senior team reporter now, the whole league has been talking about this for months. It is time to start the 2022 season. do you feel like, like everybody's ready to start this year, whether it's the
1: Chiefs' kingdom or otherwise? Well, what I keep saying is how this offseason has seemed like the longest offseason ever, and it's because of how last season ended. We all know that. I mean, we were so close to the Super Bowl. I think this team, this whole building, everyone feels like we should have been in the Super Bowl, and it's hard to have months upon months of – nothing really going on when you still have those feelings but what's been exciting about this team is they took that disappointment and they channeled it toward making sure that doesn't happen again and i think finally all that preparation can culminate uh in sunday's game and i'm just glad we finally have a football game to talk about
0: yeah and the theme of this defending the kingdom as we start the regular season is green flag checkered flag let me just relate to you how i spent time right before training camp at the Hyvie sponsored IndyCar race in Newton, Iowa. All right, I was MCing all these events with Gwen Stefani, right? It was Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton and Tim McGraw, and a whole bunch of fast Indy cars that were running on a track of less than a mile long. So the green flag dropped, and it was like Top Gun. All these cars were just going 170 miles an hour, and it feels like the start of the NFL season. But what was interesting? was then seeing this grueling race full of restarts, which were also exciting, that reminded me of the five months, basically, of the National Football League season. But here's what's interesting. The inline, the checkered flag, was the same line as the green flag. And that's the same this year for the Kansas City Chiefs, because Super Bowl 57 will be in Glendale, Arizona, where the Chiefs open the season against the Arizona Cardinals. And that little fun fact makes it uh, really kind of tasty.
1: Yeah, I love the symmetry of it, you know. And this team has Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, earlier today, we're recording this on Wednesday, he had his first presser of the week earlier today, and he said that uh, this entire team believes that that goal is attainable. And they, they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't think that that was a real possibility and hopefully a likelihood for this team. So hopefully we can start the season with a victory in Arizona and then end it with a victory in Arizona five months from now.
0: If you Kingdom Defenders missed any of the episodes over the past, oh, I don't know, two months, just, just binge on it, and you'll get a theme of just exactly that, that this team thinks they can do it and get all the way to the uh, – Epitome and back to the peak here uh, in the National Football League season. But before we do anything and drop the green flag on this big long race, let's go to our 13 seconds and a Defending the Kingdom uh, tradition of going around
1: the world. 13 seconds. So 13 names and places of people all over the globe listening to Defending the Kingdom. So we have Gary in Monument, Colorado. He's originally from Flat River, Missouri. He's an Army veteran of 20 plus years and loves Colorado. But he's never given in to Broncos country. He's proudly repping Chiefs Kingdom Hang in there, out in Monument. Yep, uh, We've got Andre in Chinle, Arizona. Uh, he'll be at the game on Sunday. Yeah, I very do. cool. He's behind enemy lines. Yep. Uh, we've got Lawrence in Pennsylvania. Been a fan since 1964. So huh. essentially since the Chiefs have been in Kansas City. Uh, Kenny in Oklahoma City. Dan in Des Moines. Sean in Albia, Iowa. Yeah. Is that I'll right? be Iowa. I'll be yeah. Iowa? Yeah. Uh, so he's turned his wife's family of Vikings and Packers fans into Chiefs fans. We always talk about how Iowa is like a battleground.
0: It is. Right? Yep. Yeah. I can just tell you where the state's divided, but <laughs> then you get converts like that of Kingdom Defender plus yeah. plus. Yeah, so Sean's
1: doing our work up there. Good job, uh, Sean. We've got James in mid-Missouri, Nick from Pasco, Washington, Eric in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, he spent time in Topeka and at Fort Riley. Uh, we've got Andrew in Utah, says the kingdom is strong out there. And then get this. Not one, not two, but three people from Australia. All different people. Not the same group. Three different people. We have Campbell in Melbourne, Australia. James in Sydney. And then Alan from Queensland, Australia. Oh,
0: that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We are Australian. I'd bust it up and but- or waltzing Matilda, but we'll save you that. Uh, (laughs) Love our kingdom defenders in Australia. Keep them coming. All right, love this Kansas City Chiefs team, the 63rd in franchise history that attacks the 2022 season. So let's just review where you and I think the Chiefs are at this point and what we have seen starting from April 1 to the time that
1: we'll get on the plane and head to Arizona. Well, there's a lot of new faces, right, on both offense and defense. And when you have so much turnover – at times you wonder, when will all that come together? Will they be able to come out in week one quickly and and be a team? And the exciting thing about watching this team so closely throughout the offseason, and it really begins even before the team got to the building here, because Patrick invited all his offensive players down to Texas to work out uh, at the facility they have down there. So they got a head start on OTAs. And that familiarity and that foundation that they built offensively really carried over into every stage of the offseason. It was clear. And if you ask Patrick or if you ask Coach Reed, what was the moment where you really felt like this was going to be a special season, they'll always reference that time, which is pretty cool, I think. Uh, And I think getting a head start like they did uh, was a big deal. And throughout the preseason, we saw this offense really clicking. We were wondering, how is it going to look early on? And it'd be okay if there was growing pains. But... For what it's worth, Mahomes and the first-team offense had three drives. All three ended in a passing touchdown. And Mahomes found at least five different pass catchers on each one of those drives. So that was very exciting. And then defensively, a lot of new players, a lot of young players. And one of the themes that we learned in the offseason was these guys will probably be on different timelines, right? They're all different uh, kinds of players at different stages. But that really wasn't the case. These guys, for whatever reason, were able to really come in and not quite be rookies. They seem like they've been around a little bit. And that's exciting as well. So I think there might be some growing pains at times defensively. They're young players, but they're super athletic, they're playmakers, and they're intelligent. And I think in the long run, this defense is going to be very exciting this year.
0: Yeah, I always get a kick out of the depth chart when it's released and then the depth chart to start the regular season. They were talking about the rookies that are number one on the depth chart. You realize that can change in the second snap of the game. And so your point about these rookies being integrated – We could see a lot of them be integrated, whether they're starting on the first snap of the game or not. It could be by the second snap of the game. Okay, one area that I was so encouraged with during the preseason, remember the preseason games don't count, but they matter. And you start to see a trend there, and we saw it all the way going back to the spring. And that is a much more effective Chiefs team in the red zone from the 20-yard line into the goal line. Let's be honest, the Chiefs have not been very good or average in the red zone, uh, interestingly, over the past three years. 14th, 14th, and 20th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. They were second in 2018 in that regard. They were 71% effectiveness of getting touchdowns once they entered the 20-yard line or closer to the end zone. The point is, the Chiefs were outstanding in the red zone, throughout much of the preseason, including the preseason games, where they were five of six, and the first team was just cranking it in there. They were getting in there, and the tight ends were very involved. We saw it in different ways. We saw a scheme on the touchdown pass in Chicago to Bell. We saw using uh, a great athlete and shielding the defender with Jody Fortson a couple times. Here's my point. How do you overcome maybe not getting as many 20-plus plays or 40-plus plays as the Chiefs have had the last four years? And they have been among the leaders there, including second in the league in 20-plus plays in 2020. That is being more effective in the red zone. If they just go from 14th to, let's say, 10th, that means five possessions of four more points, not threes, but sevens, or zeros. We saw a lot of red zone turnovers last year, early in the year for the Chiefs in that three-and-four start. Those four points, that is 20 points. If you spread that out over a 17-game schedule, Matt, that could be the difference between a team, a Chiefs team, being 13-4 and four or 10-7. and seven.
1: Yeah, I mean, the margins in the NFL, when you look at these kind of things, they're Especially in margins, the AFC this year. Yeah, they're razor thin. And as good as the Chiefs offense has been in recent years, that was always kind of one of the issues, that if we got into the red zone, we couldn't utilize our speed that we could when we had the full length of the field. The team was almost more dangerous when it was at the 35-yard line or so. Well, now if you look at the personnel on offense, I think it could really lead to a team that has a lot of success in the red zone. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a good example of that. That wasn't really one of the main things that was discussed when he was signed because he's known as a speed receiver, but he's six foot four, And we saw in the preseason they were trying to utilize him as a red zone threat. Saw it throughout training camp as well with a lot of success. So adding a guy like MVS, who's a big, tall target, is going to really help in the red zone, I think. I know he's excited to develop that part of his game. And then also Jody Fortson being back is huge. We saw him really coming on uh at the middle of last season before he got hurt. He had touchdowns in back-to-back games. I mean, he's an athletic freak. Defenses don't know how to defend him because he's essentially a wide receiver playing tight end. So if you put a linebacker on him, it's game over. So I think using Jody in the red zone uh, is also quite exciting. And then also having more of a power look at running back I think will be helpful to the Chiefs this year in the red zone between Ronald Jones and Isaiah Pacheco. Runners who are over 210 pounds that if it's – Fourth and goal on the one, you can line up in the I formation, give one of those guys the ball, and you feel pretty good about that guy getting in the end zone. So the personnel, I think, is more helpful toward having more success, I think, in the red zone this year, and that's exciting.
0: I'll throw a sneaky one in there, Justin Watson. We saw his catch radius, okay, and the fact that he has got long arms and a big catch radius, that could also can be a weapon in the red zone. And for Arizona, and your running back point is really good with Pacheco and, and Rojo is that James Conner has been that for Arizona. Last year, 28 touches when they got inside the 10. That was one of the uh, top guys in the National Football League in that regard. Okay, the second encouraging sign, and you touched on the young defenders, was the Chiefs' defense in the preseason. And the fact that they – when the first team was on the field in those three preseason games, they made the opponent punt every time. Every time. If you can increase your three and outs – on the defensive side, because let me give you the stats over the past four years for the Chiefs defensively on forcing three and outs. 27th, 18th, 30th, and last in the league. Meaning, if you now can get a team off the field two or three more times, let's say two times a game, that's 34 more chances you're going to get for possessions. The Chiefs have used explosive plays on offense. We agree with that. However, if you're better in the red zone and you can get the opponent off the field, that's one of those ways you don't think about where you can compensate for not getting as
1: many 20-plus or 40-plus plays. This is where I'm really excited about the personnel, once again, on defense, especially some of the young players that we've brought in. We talked about this a lot last year. First down, especially early in the season, defensively for the Chiefs, they were actually pretty good. But the problem was on second down, when let's say it's second and 10, spread offenses these days, you have lots of DBs on the field. If you have a running back like Austin Eckler, for example, on the Chargers, you can have a little draw play or a screen, and he picks up eight yards all of a sudden because you only have one linebacker on the field. Well, the personnel that the Chiefs are going to deploy this year, it's guys who can be out there in dime packages who are still enforcers, guys that can hit and willing tacklers, guys like Brian Cook. That's why I was so excited about adding Brian Cook. He's your ultimate hybrid linebacker safety kind of player. We'll see what kind of role he carves out early on, but I'm excited about him in that role. Uh, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay being the two dudes at linebacker this year, Nick Bolton's going to be on the field a ton this season, and you feel good about the fact that if a running back is coming his way, he's going to make that tackle. And Willie Gay, same thing. He can cover sideline to sideline. And even the corners, guys like Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, all very willing tacklers in the running game. So second down, I think, is going to be a down to watch early in the season for this defense when... You're in dime, and there's receivers everywhere, and they try to give a running back the ball or try to get some quick yards over the middle of the field. This defense can really um, hopefully enforce that that's not going to be an option. And all uh, training camp, we heard about how they want their rallying cry to be that this is an attitude defense. That's how you show that. That if you want to come over the middle of the field, they're going to remind you that they're there. And I'm quite excited about that.
0: Let me tell you another sneaky thing I saw was discipline in the bootleg game. It's really pertinent this week with Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. The Chiefs look to be the most disciplined defensive team since Andy Reid has been here on those bootleg plays, and every team tried to run it. The Packers did, the Commanders did, the Bears did. So either, one, they were disciplined on the backside, including backside runs. I'm going to throw that in there on running backs. Or, two, their their, uh, athleticism and quickness allowed them to recover quickly on a bootleg play. Kyler Murray last year was number one in the NFL on first down passing percentage at 75%. Best in the league. A lot of those are bootlegs because of the pressure he can put on you uh, with his ability to run and throw. But if you stay disciplined in the bootleg game, you can make things a little more challenging for Kyler Murray. So let's jump in now to the Arizona Cardinals. We kind of know where we think the Chiefs are at. We're excited about it. Now the Cardinals. This was a team last year that was 7-0. They were the last NFL team to lose, and yet they go 4-6 and six down the stretch, and the Rams clobbered them in the playoffs.
1: It was a tale of two seasons for the Cardinals last year, and they went the way of Kyler Murray because it was a tale of two seasons for Kyler Murray. Through their first nine games, when they started 8-1, and one, he was an MVP candidate. I mean, he was incredible. He was everything that I think they wanted him to be when they drafted him first overall a few years ago. He accounted for 24 total touchdowns through his first nine games. He was awesome. Now, he got hurt at the end of that stretch, and when he came back, for whatever reason, he just wasn't the same, and the Cardinals really struggled. Uh, Over his final six games, he threw just five touchdowns, five interceptions in that span. They go one and five in those games. There was various reasons behind those struggles, but one area you can really identify is pressure. He was just pressured a ton uh, during that stretch. He was pressured on 85 dropbacks between week 14 and the end of the regular season. That's most in the NFL. And you might think, well, he's mobile, right? So pressure shouldn't be a big deal. But the thing with this Cardinals offense is when they're humming, it's when things are on schedule. It's when they're getting yards on first down. They're not in negative plays. If you go back and watch some of those games down the stretch, It's when they were backed up or if all of a sudden they had blown a lead or if it was second and 15 or something. That's when guys started to press on this team and things kind of unraveled from there. So if you can frustrate Kyler Murray, if you can force him into negative plays, you don't let things go on schedule for them, that's really where you can make him struggle. And we saw that at the end of last season, especially in the playoff game against the Rams.
0: Yeah, and especially on that ugly pick six that he threw. They were still kind of hanging in there and he was being pressured behind the chains in his own end zone, and he just kind of threw it up for grabs, and it was the easiest pick six the Rams will ever have in the regular season or the postseason. The other tricky thing here, and this goes back to my discipline of the Chiefs defense and speed, because we think of Kyler Murthy either running around, he's got 20 rushing touchdowns, uh, and you look at his 13,300 all-purpose yards (laughs) in his first three years in the National Football League. But they threw 78 screens last year. Think Rondale Moore here. They're using Rondale Moore like the Chiefs will use Macol Hardman. Flips, screens. They try to slow down that rush if you can, uh, if they can. But they just throw a gob of screens, meaning you have to be disciplined or they challenge the linebackers. So, uh, again, this front seven for the Kansas City Chiefs, I just think is
1: better uh, equipped to play that kind of game. I, I think so as well. And really, those screens are just an extension of the running game. And when you think of the Cardinals, you don't really think of them as a running team outside of Kyler Murray. But they were last year. They had the seventh most rushing attempts of any team in the NFL last season. James Conner was a big part of that. I mean, 18 touchdowns last season. Also, Chase Edmonds was there. He's no longer a Cardinal. He was a big part of the rushing attack last year now he's a Miami Dolphin old friend Darrell Williams is now joining James Connor in the backfield but yeah when you think about the Cardinals from afar you think of them just chucking the ball downfield I think of the Hail Mary against the Bills a couple years ago things like that and they can do that with electric plays uh, but the running game and the screen game is a big part of what they like to do and we might see even more of it on Sunday with no DeAndre Hopkins
0: well let's talk about the Hail Mary pass that they threw was two DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins, who's missing the first portion of the season because of a suspension. Here's some other notes about DeAndre Hopkins, and because you mentioned the tale of two seasons last year for Arizona. When they had the 10 games with DeAndre Hopkins, the Arizona Cardinals averaged 30 points a game. In the eight games, they did not have D-Hop. They averaged 20 points a game. So, much like everybody's looking at the Chiefs trying to compensate not having Tyree Kill – Everybody's also looking at how the Cardinals will compensate not having DeAndre Hopkins.
1: It's just a massive loss. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's an all-pro receiver. He's the kind of guy that can make up for mistakes. He's the guy that Kyler trusts with everything. And not having him out there is just huge for the Cardinals' offense. When the schedule came out, we already knew about the suspension. And we found out that we didn't have to play DeAndre Hopkins. We weren't mad about that, and for good reason. So now the question is, who kind of makes up for that loss – And the Cardinals are banged up going into this game. We don't know if Zach Ertz is going to play. He can kind of be that security blanket for Kyler. But if he does play, I don't know how effective he'll be. We'll see. Rondell Moore I think will play, but he's banged up coming in as well. Hollywood Brown is – the answer you would think would be correct. He's Kyler's old college teammate, but they've never played together in a regular season game. So we're going to see kind of how that dynamic works out. But uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Not having Hopkins, just this whole offense has a whole different feel, I think. And not having
0: Hopkins force them into a first-round trade because they did trade the 23 pick to the Baltimore Ravens to get – Hollywood Brown. I'm sure Kyler Murray was on you know banging on the table uh to get him to come in and to relive those Oklahoma sooner days. But let's flip over now to the defensive side because some of the uncertainty over there as well. Missouri Tiger, Marcus Golden, will he play? He's not practiced, I don't think, since August the first. At cornerback, they have two of their five corners who just started practicing this week for them because they made a trade and picked up a guy up the waiver wire. They're just dealing with some issues at certain spots that are unique for going into week one. It almost feels like week 10 for them, and yet they have an adequate defense, especially the safeties. Buda Baker leads this club, and he's one of the best safeties in the National Football League.
1: He really is. And their secondary in general is quite talented. Guys who are dynamic and can do a lot of different things. This defense, though, is an interesting case study, just like Kyler and just like the rest of the Cardinals, because they were pretty good at the start of the season. And overall, last year, this was the number 11 scoring defense in the NFL. Pretty good, just outside the top 10. But if you take a closer look, during those struggles at the end, over their final six games, they allowed more than 28 points per game, so they really struggled as a group down the stretch. You can kind of see how this entire team kind of goes with uh, Kyler, essentially. and the defense, that was the case for those guys. And the one big major loss, in addition to guys like Marcus Golden, who we don't know if he's going to play, is Chandler Jones. I mean, Chandler Jones was the best sack artist on this team last year. I think Golden actually led them in sacks, but Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's a Vegas Raider now, and that's a huge, huge loss. Yeah, J.J. Watt is healthy, but I don't know if they went out and addressed not having Chandler Jones uh, on that defensive line. And this defensive front will have a much different look without him there. One explosive defender
0: gets close to home. There's some homecoming uh – Stories here other than D. Will. Rodney Hudson is their Pro Bowl center, an outstanding center. Many think the best center in the league, although Creed Humphrey I think is challenging that. But Isaiah Simmons is on this team. He played at Olathe North High School, was a phenom for the Eagles, playing high school ball right here in the environs of the Chiefs' kingdom. Then he went to Clemson, had an incredible career, was the eighth pick uh, in the draft, and he is an electric defender. So if there's someone, he plays a different spot. He's not an outside pass rusher. But if there's a team that could try to match up or double on Travis Kelsey with the safeties that they have, it's also Isaiah Simmons who can cover and
1: also bring pressure. He might be a key for the Cardinals in this game. They've got Ben Neiman too, another old friend. But (laughs) Isaiah Simmons, when he was drafted, the whole thing about him was this is the new age linebacker. This is a linebacker who's essentially a safety who can also play linebacker. Guys who can cover with the best of them. I do think covering Travis Kelsey is a pretty tough task for any linebacker in the NFL, Uh, and I think Kelsey would certainly welcome that if they want to put a linebacker on him. Uh, But Isaiah Simmons is a heck of a player. I think he kind of came on toward the end of last year. He struggled toward the beginning, um, but very athletic. Uh, And It'll be interesting to see how the Cardinals' defense in general attacks the Chiefs, because all of last year it was the two high-safety shell coverages right, to prevent against the big deep ball. Well, Kelsey is the focal point of the offense now. We all know that. But when you have so many other options on offense that we talked about earlier, guys like Juju, Justin Watson, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, MVS, how do you account for all of those players? And we'll see if the Cardinals put all of their eggs into making sure Travis Kelsey can't beat them. If that's the case, you're going to see a big game from someone else and vice versa. So I'm very intrigued to see how the Cardinals line up against the Chiefs.
0: Okay. Feel the rumble of the cars. (laughs) as they're coming around turn three and then they're building up steam to four and you see the flag person drop the green flag it's going to be a long hard tough race but
1: matt the green flag is dropping finally and as i opened up with we were there when the chiefs lost the afc title game it was a hard day we all know that because we we, we're with this team every day we see how much they care how hard they work and they know That they should have been in the super bowl last year and they've used that all year long to make sure that they end up in the super bowl this year and i just love the symmetry of knowing all of that and then the season begins where we want to end it it's pretty awesome and i hope in five months we're having a super bowl preview dtk will call back to this one and you can say the checkered flag is uh, within sight and you can go back and watch this episode when the green flag
0: drops on the 2022 season he's matt mcmullen i'm mitch holt just one question as the cars come around turn four to start this race in the National Football League, are you a true kingdom defender? Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.